Hey, what's up? It's MJ. Let me tell you about a wine region you need to visit. Just over a year ago, I visited Walla Walla Wine Country for the first time, and let me tell you, it was phenomenal. Walla Walla is one of the most fertile agricultural areas in the nation, producing everything from wheat to asparagus, strawberries, and sweet onions, but is there exquisite high-end wines that have put Walla Walla firmly on the map. Wine growing in the region dates back to the 1850s when the first wine grapes were planted by Italian immigrants. Unfortunately, Prohibition wiped out winemaking, and it wasn't until 1974 when Gary Figgins of Leonetti Cellars began planting grapevines. Ten years later, in 1984, the Walla Walla AVA was approved by the federal government, and in 2015, the Rocks District of Milton Freewater was approved by the federal government as a sub-AVA within the Walla Walla AVA. The Rocks District is the only AVA in the country based entirely on soil type. So whether you're into Bordeaux varietals, Italian varietals, or like me, Rhone varietals, Walla Walla has got you covered. Do yourself a favor and book your trip to visit one of the most exciting wine regions in the world. Go to wallawallawine.com for more information. Hey, I'm MJ Taylor, also known as a black wine guy. I went from being a totally obsessed wine newbie to becoming the world's first ever African-American fine and rare wine auctioneer in less than three years. In this show, I'll be talking to the mavericks, the philosophers, the players, and the deep thinkers who inhabit the world of wine. They'll share their experiences on how they made it, but more importantly, how they failed and got back up again. So grab a glass and let's get to it. This is the Black Wine Guy Experience. Hey everybody, what's up? It's your boy MJ. Welcome to the Black Wine Guy Experience. My guest today is the owner and winemaker of Ita Wines, Kelsey Albro Ita Mary. Kelsey came to winemaking via a long and winding road. A graduate of Georgetown University School of Foreign Service, she wore a lot of hats. Political campaign manager, reality TV production assistant and coordinator, executive assistant at Lionsgate Studios, sales and development manager at a natural foods company, and some heady days as a bartender, bar manager, and food and beverage director for a bar group in San Francisco. In 2017, Kelsey enrolled in Walla Walla Community College's Institute for Enology and Viticulture, and she founded Ita Wines in 2019 in the hopes of bringing uh, the lessons of the unique vineyards of the eastern foothills of the Walla Walla Valley to the world. Welcome, Kelsey. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. What are you? Uh, what wine did you bring for us to drink this afternoon? Yeah, I brought some white wine. If okay. You could, um, yeah, I'm gonna have a little hit of little yeah, hit yeah, rinse. Yeah, a little rinse. This is Semillon from okay. uh, Lake Olene Vineyard. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, I make two versions of Semillon from this vineyard. This one is my stainless steel fermented okay. uh, Semillon, kind of brisk mineral style. And then I make an oxidative style barrel fermented uh, Semillon as well. Okay. So, wow, that's yeah. tasty. Thank you. Um, all right. So I like to start at the beginning. A very good place to start. Where are you from? I am from Seattle, Washington. Okay up there um and then should i should i pause should yeah yeah so so yeah, because you grew up so you're from seattle 
Um, what did your parents do? Because when I hear Seattle, I'm like with some yeah. with tech, with Microsoft, at Kirkland, Costco. Like what? 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 Did it, what? Yeah. Uh, so my uh, parents were and still are small business owners. Okay, cool. uh, various different things. When I was younger, my mom had her own gift basket company. Wow. Uh, that she like ran out of our basement when I was a little kid. <laughs> And then my dad worked in construction and then uh, somehow got involved with uh, the Seattle Monorail. So my parents still currently own the company that runs the Seattle Monorail. The monorail itself belongs to the city of Seattle. It's like a historical but, artifact and all these things. But Okay. I know. Not a common. Yeah, I know. No, no. <laughs> and I was like, it's really cool. You know, I'm, I'm making baskets, and you know, and you're doing this. You know, what? let's let's run a monorail company. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Um, and any siblings? Yes, I have an older brother. His oh. name is Nate, and a younger sister. Her name is Sarah. Okay. So What's kind of the age difference? Me and my brother are almost Irish twins, so okay. we're 13 months apart, okay. and my sister is about two and a half years younger. Okay, so you guys are you're tight. It's a cluster. Oh yeah, yeah, it's a cluster. What was you, some kind of cluster? Did you guys get along? Um. Yes and no. I mean, my brother and I, since we're so close, right. our growing up experiences were so similar. Mm -hmm. We um, went to a school where there were like first, second grade split. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we were in the same class, mm -hmm. but we also used to like beat the shit out of each other. Right. I remember realizing, it kind of like for fun, like puppies do. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. I just brothers you know? just fight. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's exactly. just like how exactly. they express themselves. Exactly. But then, you know, he hit puberty. Yeah, then, then it changes. Yeah. Well, you're, you're, you're tall. Yes. Um, so I assume your brother is tall. He's like, he must he is, be tall. Yes, yes. He is much taller than I am. Um, sports? Yes. yes. So I am a tall person, although I am the shortest person in my family. Really? Um, your younger sister is yeah. taller? Yeah, she's taller wow. than me. Yeah. Um, and my dad's 6'8". My sister's 6'8". Wow. Eight. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm the shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm the shrimp. So I played, like, you know, when growing up, my parents were like, you have to play soccer, you have okay. to play basketball. Right. And everyone thought I might be good at basketball. Yeah. But I'm very bad at basketball. Something about the hand-eye coordination is just not for me. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I kind of came to it late, and I was like, oh, these kids are so good at these sports because they grew up playing right. them. Right. And uh, I started rowing, actually. Okay. In eighth grade, there are a couple of uh, crew teams in Seattle that are run by Seattle Parks and Recreation. Okay. And so they're super accessible, right. pretty affordable, which right. is not super common with the sport. And uh, height is good for rowing as well. Yeah, I know, you I don't know. have yeah. to catch any balls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I, a, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I did that all through high school and ended up getting recruited and uh, uh, rowed my first year of college only. But um, yeah, rode to Georgetown. Um, so you went to Georgetown? I did, it. yes. Okay. All right. Wow. Okay. So, sure. grow up, Seattle. Time to go to college. Yep. Where else did you apply? Because when everybody, because people, people like, I'm, so many people like, like went to this Ivy League school, but Georgetown's a great school. Yeah, yeah it's an great incredible school, school right? Yes. So, yeah. so I'm sure you had to apply to like some other yeah, prestigious you know, universities. Yeah, you know, I, I applied to Harvard and Princeton and. Uh, Cornell didn't get into Harvard or Princeton, but I got into Cornell. But well, I didn't yeah, I mean, go to Ithaca. Sorry, it's, I know it's beautiful. No, no, but I knew I wanted to study there, international relations. No, there's totally the like joke about. Oh, what was I watching? I can't remember, but 
Oh, it was Frasier. Uh-huh. They've remade Frasier. I've heard. It's it's different, but but there's a joke where uh, he he's teaching at Harvard, and so he uh-huh. says something that's like like Good God, why don't the uh, something about oh, why don't you just go to a rural community college? Like oh God, who would want to go to Cornell? Yes, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, like that's like, and the Ivy Leagues, that's kind of like Cornell's reputation. It is a great it's, it's school, a great but school. it doesn't, it's like, it's like, let's be honest, it, it's, it's, it's Yale, Princeton, Harvard. Yeah, yeah. People forget Dartmouth and Brown. Like, like, I know. I wish I had applied to Brown. Brown's a great know, school. I didn't even know it existed. Brown is a just in my own ass about great school. It's like this, for me, because I used to work with kids getting into college, mm-hmm. and I was like, don't apply. I mean, you could apply to Harvard and Yale, but like, apply to Brown. I just feel like culturally, it would have been such a better yeah, for me. Yeah, Even yeah. I mean, Georgetown, I had a wonderful yeah. time, but it's real preppy there. Yeah, so that's what I'm I saying, right? Yeah, so what's know. it like from Seattle, going <laughs> for grunge to DC, and 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 you know, because Georgetown is it's a Jesuit school, yeah, and and so you got you got kids who went to Catholic school, but it is yeah. we're used to wearing uniforms and yeah, I went, and, to, and, I went to Catholic school also not, in Seattle, too. but there's also but, then yeah, that like you said, with it's different. It's like like when I visit took kids to visit Georgetown, I was like. I, you know, like, oh man, it's it's like, you, you, for some reason, these things like certain universities just slip away. Like Georgetown is a very preppy, old money, like oh, mm-hmm. very old money kind of school. Yeah, yeah. And it's in D.C. Yes. And just being in D.C., people I took for granted, so I know most people don't actually think about everything that in America that goes on in Washington D.C. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. So you wanted to study foreign affairs, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So yeah. why did you want to study foreign affairs? Well, I had had a couple of experiences traveling growing up. Like, my parents took us to Spain when I was a kid. And oh, I was wow. Like, oh, this is amazing. Uh, I never want to go home again. <laughs> I don't know. There was something about travel that my experiences traveling when I was a kid mm-hmm. that one made me feel like everywhere else was more exciting than Seattle yeah. and more interesting, mm-hmm. and that that was something that I was really. Um, wanted to have be part of part of my life uh so that was love of travel was one of the main reasons why i applied to georgetown and was interested in international relations Mm -hmm. because i thought well this will give me maybe a lifestyle that i want yeah super cool super cool so you you go Mm -hmm. you're studying yep you graduate with a degree yep Did, did you go work in a foreign country I did. While I was in school, I studied abroad. Okay. Um, I studied abroad in St. Petersburg, Russia. Wow. Yeah. I did. So I did fall semester there, and then I did spring semester in the Dominican Republic. Wow. And then I did an internship that summer with the State Department in Bulgaria. Wow. And then I continued to intern um, at the main State Department offices in D.C. after um, um, I came back for my senior year. So. Uh, I don't even really know. What does the State Department even do? <laughs> what is the State Department? So I, I'm, a, I'm a reasonably intelligent person. I have no idea what State Department. Oh my gosh! Uh, great question. I mean, the things that I did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I worked in like the security office. And you worked in the area. security office. Yeah. Yeah. Because so that was kind of fun. Because actually. in my mind, like, so like when people like foreign service is like. A lot of those people end up in the CIA. Totally. I almost <laughs> just was like, yeah. what does the State Department do? And I right. would be like, provide uh, yeah. cover for yeah. CIA. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, right. Like, literally, I'm thinking of all those movies I yeah. watch, and I'm like, it's always like the State Department. Yeah. And like, always, like, the embassy is just like, it's like, uh, 
safe and, and high and go seek like I'm in the embassy you touch yes, the wall yes, like yes, you can't get me you run it really like is. safe right yes yes it's, and there's a weird little store in embassies full of like Kit Kats and Reese's Peanut Butter Puffs and <laughs> like American groceries and I'm like this is what we're spending our tax dollars on so these people can have peanut butter <laughs> That's you know? so, yeah. I remember getting really irritated yeah. about that. No, but I, I could see, like, I mean, but, like, I, you know, like, I, I, I was like, I was like, huh, Florence, I was like, yeah, that's, like, literally, like, that's, like, that CIA shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, if you're good at proficient, in, and it's also, like, people who are proficient in languages. Sure, yeah, right? yeah. Like it's it's a very interesting world. Yeah, I mean, I there are things school, that the they, State Department yeah, does, the, you yeah, know, trade agreements and this and that, and well, they're like the whole Secretary consular of State. section. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they right. do stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Glad to have them. They 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 cover. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Yeah, um, that's cool. And so, um, how long did you work there? So I um, interned for okay, the rest of my senior senior, year. Yeah. So I came back and during my senior year um, worked with them Uh, and then I graduated in 2009 okay right after the crash and I thought I wanted to work for an NGO I was really when I was working at Maine State I was working in an office that did a lot of like anti-human trafficking stuff and Mm. I was like well that's a great cause to get behind Um, and had kind of looked at working in that uh, world but it was just really hard to get a job at an NGO or a governmental agency at that time because of all the Wall Street people coming to D.C. And so I was applying for all of these campaign manager roles in Northern Virginia and stuff like that. But I was looking at the pay, and it was like 2000 bucks a month. And I was like, that's like my student loan payment. I can't mm-hmm. afford to take this job. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad called me. And he was looking at running for port commissioner in Seattle. <laughs> He's a guy. My dad's a guy. Yeah. Uh, and he said, I know a bunch of your friends are about to graduate. Would any of your friends be interested in being my campaign manager? And I just started laughing. I was like, I've applied for that job ten times this week. <laughs> and I like can't afford to do it. Like, Could I live at home and be your campaign manager? And he was like, sure. So that I ended up moving home and managing my dad's campaign for port commissioner. Successful. I was going to say. Now, did we win? We won. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What is what is what is what is the port? <laughs> I, I'm I'm better at talking about this. Uh, so the port of Seattle uh, is a countywide office. Okay. In King County, and it runs the airport, which is kind of its own little unit, and then the seaport, the cruise ship terminal um, in Seattle. They have other properties that aren't obviously port properties, but it's all about economic development and making sure that goods and services can move. So they do a lot of like infrastructure stuff. When they did the big dig, the big Bertha uh, thing, took down the Alaskan Way Viaduct in Seattle, that was a big thing about getting freight to and from from the port, things like that. Yeah. That was kind of badass. <laughs> I mean, I like I like us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm biased. You're biased. Yeah. That's, um, yeah. yeah. And so you, you, after you won that campaign, did you stay in political campaigns for a while or...? No, um, a kind of crazy thing happened to my family. My uh, older brother was living in L.A., and he had a brain aneurysm. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, it was really scary. And he was in the ICU for, like, three months. And so... Wow. Yeah. 
my parents moved down there, and then after the campaign ended for a, a couple weeks, I was like alone on the campaign trail, yeah. which was a very surreal moment uh, in life. But I moved down to LA, just was like, okay, let's take care of my brother. And so uh, he had amazing brain surgery at UCLA. Always be a fan of uh, of them for that, and but I had to like learn how to walk and stuff again, and so that was really a long process, but kind of came out of it. And I was like, oh shit, I'm in LA. It's sunny here. I see Mario Lopez at the grocery store. <laughs> like, let's try this out. And so that's when I got a job in reality TV. What what show did you work on? <laughs> so I worked on on several shows. I worked. Um, like in the office for a production company mm-hmm. that made like some of the original jackass things and lots of cop follow shows, which I think is totally not something that is filmed anymore <laughs> for good reasons. Uh, and then their big show was they made Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? And so then I went to work on Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader when it was filming. So that was on set at um, Sony Studios. And then I was also on set with a show called uh, Melissa, no, Joan Knows Best with Joan Rivers and Melissa. Okay, Joan Knows Rivers, yes, 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 yes. And then I worked for another production company that made like Ace of Cakes and Toddlers and Tiaras and things like that. So, I mean, the thing about reality television is the production schedule is super condensed. So you're looking for a job pretty frequently. (laughs) (laughs) Um. How did you find that? Did you what, did you buy like backstage or just uh, someone? Uh, the first job, the first job was yeah. uh, through someone I had met while working on my dad's campaign. Wow! Whose like college roommate had this production company? I wow! I worked at. Yeah. So I was like, I, mean, I thought it was like a big break. I was like, right. oh, I'm gonna make eight dollars an hour right. doing bitch work. <laughs> <laughs> It's not. It's really not that hard to get a job as a production assistant. No, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, yeah. It, it, it's, it's don't fuck cool. up my coffee. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And yeah. people get fired for that shit. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's easy to become a. Production I said oat milk. <laughs> um, to stay one. Yeah. <laughs> um, hard part. But then you became an executive assistant. Yes. At yes. Lionsgate. Yes. Which is a huge. Yeah, that was different. Yeah. yeah. Um. But she hired me partly because she was like, oh, you're a production assistant in reality TV. I know you can work. Yeah, right, right, And I was right. like, I can work, yes. Yeah. Um, and that was just, I just was applying for jobs because I had reality TV so giggy. Um, and so I just, I just applied and interviewed and got the job. And so I worked for two executives in the marketing department on the theatrical side, the movie side yeah. of Lionsgate. So what were some of the campaigns you worked on when you were at oh Lionsgate? Oh my gosh, I wasn't there for that long. But I remember like it was during the age of Hunger Games. Okay, yeah, see. So that was really exciting. She said that, like, um, because yeah, I get all her life it seems boring to her, but Hunger Games was a huge it was franchise. A huge, I really had, was like, oh my gosh, maybe Jennifer Lawrence is going to come into the <laughs> That was like the really big thing that I wanted to have happen. Um, and then there were like three or four at least Tyler Perry movies that came out while I was there. Wow. Because, I mean, that guy, he he. Oh, that guy out. is, that guy is, he, a, uh, he, he was, he was a word, he's prolific. Yeah, yes. He's prolific at, at putting out stuff. Yeah. He's yeah. got to be close to being, being close to be a billionaire now. With little, I would imagine, yeah. 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 But, yeah. like, started doing plays in churches. Mm-hmm. That's an insane story, but it also is inspiring in that, like, one, he 
and I, I don't like his stuff, but but I can't knock the hustle. Sure. And he and that, that's his thing. He knew who his audience was. He knew he yeah. and 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 then he grew that audience. Mm-hmm. So kudos, man. You know, but I, you know I don't watch the material, but like, <laughs> yeah. but like I'm like, God damn, we got five TV shows going right now. Oh my gosh, so many. So many. Yeah. Yeah. But that's good. Did you, did you ever meet him? Did you ever meet Tyler? No. Okay. I didn't. I mean, I saw him from afar. Yeah. Like a okay, random carpet thing or whatever. All right. So then do you get out of entertainment? I did. Yes. It was burning you out. You couldn't. Yeah. It, it was It was burning me out. Just like even the commute. If I could have afforded to live in Santa Monica, which is where I I mean, that, that's the thing, right? Like, if, if, yeah. Like, let's live in Santa Monica. Let's live in Santa Monica. Maybe, maybe you know, maybe, uh, what's, uh, oh, or, you know. Uh, Mar Vista, you know, anywhere right, around yeah. there. Venice Beach. Venice Beach. Yeah. Manhattan. Manhattan Beach. Beach. Pacific Palisades. Yeah. yeah. You know, but, that's uh, all fine. But yeah. Uh, that, well, I was commuting from Burbank in the valley. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah. Wait, that's not even like. Shit, it'll take you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. A very long time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Burbank. Burbank. Okay. Yeah. So, so then, so was this when you became. The sales and development at Natural Foods Company. Yes. So this is this is a very interesting track because your degree is in foreign service, whichever the fuck that means. <laughs> Campaign manager, PA, EA, and then sales. Yes. So um, sometimes I think about myself as like a dog sniffing the wind. Like I'm just here, I'm just seeing what's out there. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I'm gonna smell something and I'm gonna go after it. I'm gonna be like. Let's chase that. And so I think that explains yeah, yeah. <laughs> some of the jumps. So what happened when I left Lionsgate was it was a tough job. Being an assistant oh, no. is yeah. it's, and, and it's film tough. definitely that, that's like Yeah. We're talking hundreds of millions of dollars. So it's uh-huh. not yeah. It's not playtime. No, it's not playtime. <laughs> it's not playtime. Yeah. And I also knew I had to get out of there before another Saw movie came out because I could not go to a research screening, I don't do horror movies. I knew you. I couldn't. I was like, I can't. Like, I'm gonna have a panic attack <laughs> <laughs> if I have to go to a, a like professional screening of a horror movie. I can't do that. Um, but my boss uh, did a lot of shopping for things that could potentially be used in like marketing activations. Okay. Whatever that means, yeah. not to throw her under the yeah. bus for doing needless shopping, but it felt a little like yeah. that's what it was. Uh, and so one day she sent me an email and she said, All these hipsters in Brooklyn are growing their own mushrooms. It was like some forwarded mm-hmm. article about mushroom kits. Mm-hmm. She said, Order me one of each of these. I said, Okay. So I order one from this company based out of Berkeley. And it's taking forever to come, so I call. I've got like my LA hat on. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. There's, that, so, there's so much. <laughs> <laughs> this is important. Isn't that funny? That trickle down, you know, like that. Right now, seen, I'm gonna. Right, you ever see um, Tropic Thunder with, yes. with, with Tom Cruise? Like the people, mm-hmm. people. I, I did one internship. Mm-hmm. People do like motherfucker. They people talk to each other like yes. that. It's like no joke. Like it's that's insane. and then you and the sister you're like, what the fuck? Do you know what? Like, I can tell. Like and you feel like. That's how you talk to people, right? That's like that's how I feel like. Turn, and I could also feel myself turning into a bad person the longer I spent in LA. Um, So they didn't have it. They they said, "Oh no!" They said, "Oh, it's it's gonna arrive today. It's gonna arrive today." And uh, this guy 
was one of the founders of the company. It was founded by two guys straight out of college. And they were went to Berkeley together and they're making these like grow at home mushroom kits on recycled coffee grounds from Pete's coffee. And I was like, dude, your life sounds chill. <laughs> And so I said, are you guys hiring? And he was like, fuck yeah. And I said, okay, I'll send you my resume. And so um, I interviewed with them, and I said, I don't want to stay in L.A. I'll go back to Seattle. And, I'll, like, they needed a regional sales person, mm-hmm. so they were sold mostly, like, in Whole Foods and things like that. Yeah. So I moved home and did the PNW sales territory. How long did you do that job? Oh, that was Eleven. I left in 2013. Not that long. Oh, it felt so long, though, um, that I was there. Uh, so I, I was in Seattle for a while, but that's how I met my husband. So my husband okay. wasn't one of the founders. He was the like second person these two guys hired okay. to be the... Um, he managed all of the regional salespeople. And then they found out we were dating, and they didn't like it. I was like, yeah, that's like a... Mm-hmm. It was dramatic. Thing. It was dramatic. <laughs> That's so funny. So then how'd you end up in um, San Francisco? So this company was based in um, Oakland, and uh, my now husband, his name's Kai, he was living in Boston, moved to the Bay Area to work at the mm-hmm. main headquarters of this company, and then promptly left <laughs> as since we were found out. Right. And... Um, and I felt kind of stuck, but I also was still kind of like drinking the Kool-Aid of this startup lifestyle yeah. thing. Yeah. And so I ended up applying for and taking his former job as the head of the sales team and moving to the Bay Area as well. Okay. So I stayed there for a couple more years, but it was really not a great work environment. Two college kids don't know how to run a business. No. Okay, so did I hear that right? He was your boss. You were dating. Mm-hmm. Not cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll quit, and then you take the job. I do. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. They were. They were. Anyway. I. Anyway. It was. We, yeah. It's a. It's not that interesting of a story. For podcast listeners, I don't think it probably is because this is oh, the convoluted no. thing. But anyway, it's, yeah, super convoluted. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it, I always that whole. I don't remember but the whole dating and having to disclose for your dating thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, like, if you, I mean, there. I understand sexual marriage, but there's like, you know, but there's certain times when like, why we're the same or just like, it, yeah. It's anyway. Anyway, how'd you end up becoming a bartender and bar manager oh, yeah. and beverage yes. director? Yeah. So I had worked in restaurants like during high school, even in college. Okay. I just loved it. Loved the vibe. You know, people come to have a good time. My other high school job and college job was working at a <clears throat> drugstore. People do not come to a drugstore because they're happy. They come to a drugstore because they they're sick. <laughs> right, Kelsey, they come for drugs. Yes. And toothpaste. And <laughs> right, exactly. Um, hair dye and... All the things. Bad chocolate. Bad chocolate. And... and Reading cards. Yeah. I'm just... I'm just they're solving that. problems. Exactly. They're solving problems at the drugstore. <clears throat> and so... Um, kind of became increasingly unhappy at the job that I had at the natural foods company, mushroom cake company. But as anyone who's ever been completely miserable at work knows, that's actually the hardest time to apply for a new job. Yeah, because your, your energy is all 
gunked oh, up. Yeah. And, and you're desperate, and you just yeah, you, it's you a bad, smell, yeah. you smell People, desperate. They, re, they reek, you just reek of desperation. You go in an interview like, yeah, yeah exactly. No. Please save me from this. And you're like, you're too thirsty. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I kind of knew, I was like, I got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And um, met another Georgetown alum through a networking thing. And this guy owned a bunch of bars in San Francisco. And I was like, can I come work for you? And he was like, yeah, I'll interview you. And I actually got fired from the Mushroom Kid place. For interviewing or just you were just... No, just because I was... You, were just, you, just, you just checked out. Uh, yeah. Like, I was still I was still doing a good job yeah. at, like, the... I, st- I got a performance-based bonus after they fired me. Like, they owed it to me. But I wasn't... <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't drinking the Kool-Aid anymore. Yeah. I wasn't hus- I wasn't doing the hustle culture yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. Right, 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 right. And right. so I was like, great, because I had that dentist appointment I told you ha- I had. That's a job interview, so I'll see you later. <laughs> Deuces. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, then I was like, yeah, well, I'll be a bartender, um, which was such a, such a mental relief after being super miserable. You're like, oh, I get to spend only this many hours at work, and I make this much money per hour. While doing that, and you know, you deal with other bullshit, but um, it's a really fun job, especially if you're still in your twenties. Oh, it's the best. Yeah. And in, and in, and in a, a cool city too. Yeah. I mean, exactly. I love Walla Walla. Thank you, Walla. Walla. But like, mm-hmm. just to be a bartender in Walla Walla is not. The, no, it's not the same energy. It's not the same. It's not. Like you're a rock. bartenders are are are. They have a certain like. If you're a bartender in like New York, LA, San Francisco, Chicago, mm-hmm. people like like he must be cool. And and if it's a hip, you know what I mean? Like right, there's yeah. there's just it just it's like being in the entertainment industry, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, um, like front of the house and like cool places. Like oh, she must be cool. Or he must be cool. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, um, and if you're in your twenties, I mean. You drink it anyway. Right, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, it's really fun since they owned, you know, at that time, like eight bars. If you, you know, were on the early shift, got off at 10, you'd just go visit all your friends who were bartenders. Right. You know what's almost better than being a bartender? Yeah. Having a bunch of friends who are bartenders. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, it was really fun. Um, really fun. So you end up becoming a beverage director with them? Yes. I'm pretty good at Excel, spreadsheets. Okay which is not a common skill set among bartenders. No. And so they were like, hey, can you help us figure out our, our pour cost? And then I did a good job at the one location where I was working. And then they were like, can you kind of just do this everywhere and also with the food? And so, um, yeah, then kind of had, had an office job again. Yeah. And, and did that, but got to make choices about what beers are on tap, what wines will be by the class, putting together the you know cocktail program and stuff like that. And so, besides just someone who enjoys drinking alcoholic beverages, how did you? How did you? How, how did you start? Because we're we're gonna get to wine. So how yeah. did you like? How did you begin? Matter of fact, actually, let's do this. Um, I know this, we can wait. Um, how did you start becoming? How did you decide which wines and beers? Like because San Francisco. Anchor Steam, one of the, mm-hmm. my, of course, I know you had They're Anchor Steam. They're going out of business. I know, I know, so it's really sad. sad. The employees are trying to buy it, but I don't know what's going on there. Yeah. Um, but, so, like, obviously, Anchor Steam had, must have had a tap handle in every bar in San Yeah, Francisco. it's very common, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but, like, 
they said, oh, you know, you, you're good with you're good with Excel. Mm-hmm. Pick the pick the beers and wines. Yeah, I mean, there there were kind of there was a system kind of like okay, okay. if you have four taps, we're gonna have a pills. Okay. And Trumer Pills is now in Berkeley, so we had a lot of Trumer Pills, right. but um, Fort George Brewing is there, so we always have like a, a local tap. Right. Um, have an IPA. Yep. Some people like a half. Uh, kind of depended on the location, honestly. Right. You can have a half. You can have a sour. It depends. Yeah, it really yeah. depends on, on the, the clientele. The client. Yep. Uh, if you have nitro, you can have Guinness. Right. Um, so, but usually it's only you know four to six taps. Yeah. Wasn't it? Taps. So, the, but with the wines list, so like. How did you start? Was this where is this where wine kind of got started, or I would say it's it's earlier than that. But this is where I started to think about like, okay, well, if you have a wine list, people are going to want a really crisp white wine. Okay, you're gonna and if it was, if you have five wines and they're all just by the glass, they should. If you have a Sauvignon Blanc, it better taste like a Sauvignon Blanc. If you're gonna have a Chard, it's gonna it's gonna fit this category right. of Chardonnay yeah. that will please the person who's gonna come to it. Okay. Right, exactly. Like, uh, but okay, you said actually, it actually started earlier. Where, where did, where did wine? How did wine? Was wine on the table at your house growing up, or? I mean, later my parents started getting into wine and like Washington wine. I definitely sold a good amount of like tamarack shard from my parents' basement <laughs> uh, when I was in college and things like that. But I was always very, like, culinary curious. I was a very adventurous eater. You know, going to Russia, you drink a lot of vodka. Being in the Dominican Republic, you drink a lot of rum. Uh, And uh, so that was kind of where that just interest and just I want to try things. I want to understand what what things taste like uh, was already there. And I had had really liked beer before I Mm -hmm. came into wine. Mm -hmm. There was a great beer bar near Georgetown that I would go to their happy hour I spend all my money on on beer and then get the like bread plate <laughs> yeah well yeah I mean beer beer's how I got into wine too like mm. you, you know so I'm like 90s of a micro they were called micro brews back then yeah, so funny yeah, evolution yeah. yeah it was micro brews and it's craft and now it's independent mm-hmm. um, but you know there was a bar in Philly called Jake and Olives and they had 40 beers on tap first time I'd seen some chili right right yeah and then first time I had like a, a sour or or, mm-hmm. or a raspberry or half a weissen with you know with uh, you know uh, the orange and all that shit right like, right and, yeah and like, that was cutting edge that was cutting edge yeah. you know I remember when Blue Moon came on the market <laughs> I do it's great um, you know and and uh, you know um, you know the IPA so and then that first time I had a lambic right I'm like oh and the lambics can come with the corks they're like lambics right, are yes, like, yeah lambics are like pet gnats right? like you know, <laughs> yeah you know, yeah. You know, um, and so that's what I had been drinking before I got into wine. So I totally, I totally get the mix because the flavors. You start like, why do I like this beer? But what's, what's going on here? Right, exactly, you know? exactly. Um, so drinking any wine in college or no, or just I mean, I was, besides like you know the Carl Rossi jug. At the, uh, yeah, the on, Andre flavored Andre yeah. was a big hit. Cold in my, duck. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> so I wasn't really, I mean, you know, unless my parents came to town. Okay. That was always exciting, yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't spending money right. on that at right. that point. I didn't have any money spent. <laughs> I remember going to a Christmas party when I came home. One of my parents' friends, and there was like some random guy there. He was like, "You know, you should drink nicer wine. It won't give you a hangover." And I wanted to be like, 
what the fuck money do you think I'm going to be buying nicer wine with? I am 21, exactly. Like, I was just looking at him like, why are you telling me this? That's so funny. <laughs> so, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't trying uh, nicer wine. And wine's such a, can be so... It's so huge, mm-hmm. and it's hard to even know what nice is or good is or, or quality is. I remember when I graduated from college, I was like, I guess I'll just buy Chianti all the time. Right, because you know, it's it's Chianti. Right, it's, sounds kind of nice. It does sound really nice. Right? Yeah, so that yeah. was just my go-to. I was like, I guess I'll have Chianti. <laughs> <laughs> Your worst go-tos. Yeah. You know what? Chianti, it's a good time to take a quick break. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more Kelsey. We'll dive deeper into... Uh, how she got where she is today. So we'll be right back. Did you know that I've been to Walla Walla, Washington three times in the past year? I had the honor of doing a live podcast out there last November. Then I was invited back to be the keynote speaker at the Walla Walla Wine Alliance annual Celebrate Merlot Festival in July. And I was recently there for the first annual Grenache Fest. Guess what? I'll be back in April of 2024 because for the first time ever, Hospice to Rome will take place outside of the central coast of California and will be held at various locations in downtown Walla Walla. These are exciting times for what is still an under-the-radar wine region. With events like these, it won't be long before the world comes knocking. Do yourself a favor and visit this gem of a wine region before the word gets out. Go to wallawallawine.com for more information and begin planning your trip today. Okay, we are back. So, um, you and Kai had been together since when you first connected, mm-hmm. work, right? Okay, mm-hmm. All right. and he was living in, I guess, in the Bay Area as well. Or you both living together in San Francisco? What was uh, what was going on? Um, at first, he was living in Boston. First, we were long distance yeah. Seattle, Boston. Oh wow! Then we were long distance Seattle, San Francisco. Okay. And then we were both in San Francisco. Okay. Yeah. And so you guys were both living in San Francisco. Yeah. And you sent someone over and said, and you got tired of spending fifty percent of your income on rent. Yes, that's true. So, um, when did you guys? make the uh, decision and so you and, and so when did you make the decision to move out of the city that was in 2016 wow. so you guys are already married we, already, we got married in 2014 okay uh, my, my parents bought property here in okay. Walla Walla in 2011 okay they bought a farm which is east of town in the foothills of the Blue Mountains and I always loved coming to visit we got married there and my dad was always like well you know someday you could move to Walla Walla Simba, this could all be yours, yeah, yeah. type of thing. And I was like, okay, Dad, I'll be cool in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> and then Kai and I would go up to wine country, mm-hmm. get out of our tiny apartment, see some rolling hills, drink some nice wine, and we'd get the Sunday scaries and be like, do we have to go back to our little dark apartment? Mm-hmm. And eventually one of us said, should we move to Walla Walla? And then we just kept asking ourselves, should we move to Walla Walla? When we move to Walla Walla? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's make plans. So mm-hmm. originally, we had planned to just, like, we're all, you're only young once, let's do a year of adventure. Okay. So we did a huge road trip. Like, we didn't go from San Francisco, so we were in Oakland by that time, right. point, to Walla Walla. We went down to L.A. We went to the Grand Canyon. We went to Florida. We went up to see his parents in Vermont. We went all the way around. Two months of camp, car camping. 
and we're still we're still together. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. And then we were going to work harvest here, mm-hmm. and then my husband is half Finnish. He has mm-hmm. his Finnish citizenship. I got my equivalent of a Finnish green card, and we were going to go like work at a resort in Lapland, and then we were going to like settle down and be adults about it. But uh, life had other plans. Mm-hmm. So my husband got uh, a real job with salary, mm-hmm. and he's the general manager at Garrison Creek Cellars okay. here in town. But the nice thing about the wine world in Walla Walla is a lot of things don't really happen mm-hmm. in the winter here. So mm-hmm. right. we ended up still being able to go to Finland that yeah. winter. But I went the production route. I got a job in production at Balboa Winery. And uh, then I enrolled at the community college and one thing led to You're kind of, you're kind of. I'm skipping over some kinda, stuff. Yeah, you are. But also, you also that girl just shows up places like, yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, I can work. Um, yeah. But, all right, so your parents have a farm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to travel, but like, how did he get the job at the wine? Like if you're planning to travel, why did he apply for a job? Like what's the... Well, okay. So when we first moved to the farm, my dad was like, great, I have a job for you. You're going to move hand line in the alfalfa field. Okay. Which most people don't know what these words mean. Uh, exactly. What is that? What is hand line in the alfalfa field? Mean? So alfalfa <laughs> is a crop that you use to make hay, which I did not know. I just learned that out. That's what's happening. Yes. And it's a perennial crop, and you cut it like grass. You let it grow really high. Then you cut it, you bale it, and then you let it grow again. And you can get like four cuttings in a season. But you need to water it. And on my parents' property at that time, the way to water it is you have these big pipes. They're like 40 feet long, and they like snap together. And when you want to move this, you have to unsnap them all and pick them up and walk 14 pieces and then snap it back together and so my husband and I were moving half a mile of pipe each a day which sounds like a lot but once we got good at it it only took like an hour and a half to do it we were so oh my gosh really buff Uh, my dad was like we'll pay you 10 bucks an hour to do this and I remember my husband and I looking at each other and being like we need money though but we need money and so um just you know, I ended up working at Balboa, and yeah. he just applied around, and they were looking for a general manager at Garrison Creek, and it was just one of those things where once gotcha. once you start like interviewing, you're like, oh wait, this is this is a real opportunity. Yeah. So and we kind of knew this is where we wanted. To yeah, be. but at that point, yeah. You knew, yeah. Um, do yeah. you miss the city? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, I, I miss the energy. I miss uh, the food, uh, even though there's so much great food. Yeah, there's in, in but but, but, I, but it's it's but. it's different. Like you know, yeah. any any wine country, um, say with the exception of Napa, but even Napa, right? Like there's you got you have just you're gonna have a few really marquee places, right? And there's places that are good, but it's not like it's not like it's not like a city, Mm-mm. right? It's you know it's just not like a city. Like it's not like there's no hole in the wall. Mm-hmm. Filipino place here. That, no. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like, San Francisco is incredible. Like, yes. more than any other city, like, there's no really good Chinese food. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, yeah. there's stuff like that. Yeah. However, that's fine. Um, but I've, you know, my sister lives in, and brother live in Seattle. I get, I go to Seattle a lot. And that's a the lot thing I've learned. People go to so Seattle. They go to Portland. Yeah. They uh, shoot over to Boise, which isn't as, I like Boise, but still does not. At it's the level, really Portland, city. yeah, it's still, city. yeah, I know, I don't, you know, yeah. yeah. 
um, my sister-in-law used to live in Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. And so we'd go to Brooklyn every year, yeah. and that really scratched the itch. Yeah. But then I'd always be like, you can get anything in the city right. when I get there. And then I'm like, if you're willing to sit on the subway for an hour and a half. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> like, oh, okay, there, right. there are things to really love Yeah, small town life. <laughs> yeah. So while you were doing the alfalfa, <clears throat> you had, you guys were, what? how did grapes get planted? What? So my dad had planted grapes before we moved up there, and uh, Kai and I had actually flown to help plant some of them in a little test plot. So mm-hmm. we have one acre that's fenced in. Huge amount of elk that come down from the hills, so you have to fence anything. Elk. Oh, aren't elk. Those things are huge, right? Huge. Yeah. And they bugle. Have you ever heard an elk no, bugle? No. No. I think I'd be afraid to even see an elk. Yeah. I've heard like elk and moose. Like a moose is another thing that's like huge. Huge. These. huge. Well, they will like rut, right, which is the mating yeah. ritual, like right outside the the window of the farmhouse. <laughs> I was like, I was moving from Oakland. I was like, I'm going to get so much sleep <laughs> at the farm. I'm in the country. And then cut to these elk bugling, which sounds like someone screaming right outside the door all night long. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. <laughs> country life. Country yeah. problems. Country um, problems. But you had a different question. No, it's fine. Oh, no, I love it. No, I was so my dad on. planted the grapes. Test, he was the one who had part, the yeah. original vision for this. Okay. So he, okay. Yeah. Uh, for for the the grapes um, yep. at the farm, and so we have a test plot there, and Kai and I were trying to take care of it, but we did not know what we were doing. Yeah, I've long joked that the first bottling that we make from estate fruit, I will call it tears in the vineyard because <laughs> <laughs> it was like trying to talk to someone that I just didn't speak the language. I didn't know anything about plants. Mm-hmm. Wow, um, and specifically grapevines. Right, and so. Uh, it became very apparent to me that I should go back to school if I if this was something I wanted to learn how to do yeah. and do well. And so, then, yeah. this is, uh, these, it's so funny because this is going to be like a series of episodes just because it's hard to release them. Mm-hmm. And sure. then you enrolled in Walla Walla Community yeah. College's <laughs> Institute for Enology and Viticulture. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's Which right. I think... Uh, I sat down with Seth... Kitsy, Stacy Buchanan, mm-hmm. and then Deviani, and same thing. Like like Deviani went to Whitman, so you went. You know, mm-hmm. made something completely different. Yeah. You went to Georgia, made something completely different, mm-hmm. and I'm just amazed at how many people end up. Why is it? Why? Why is it? And I, I probably asked this before. I'm sure, but not to you. But what? what how, why is this place such an incubator for? For it's, changing it's, careers, I mean, like... Honestly, like, I was super attracted to it, one, because it was cheap. Right, and that's another I, thing, too. I was right, like, right. I came out of Georgetown and, you know, had the tumultuous career that I had, partly because of, like, world events and yep, whatever, right. because of my own choices. Right. But I was like, I am not ever going to get myself into that much debt. Exactly. Ever again. Right, it's just right, not worth it. Right. Uh, especially because in my very many different jobs, I learned so much on the job. Right. At every job right. I've ever had, I've learned so much. And so I was reticent to go back to school. But because it was so affordable, right. and because I was old enough to know that any amount of time you spend applying for scholarships is really good time spent, mm-hmm. um, I, I was smarter about it, let's put it that way. <coughs> um, and then it was just like 
going to the community college after going to Georgetown mm-hmm. was such a different experience and such a positive experience because you have people from all different life stages all who have real lives and real problems, but they're there because they want to be there. Right. And they're trying to get something out right. of it because it's going to make their life better. Right. Versus everyone who was 18 at Georgetown was like, I was good at school and here I am going yeah, to school. It doesn't matter because I know someone and I'll get a good yeah. job somewhere. Yeah, anyway. exactly. So I just yeah. liked that it was... You know, community college knows what it's about. Yeah, it's yeah. about the community. Exactly, <laughs> turns out. <laughs> Did you ever heard that Chris Rock joke about community college? Though? I don't know. Oh, but he's like, he's like, he's like, community college. That means anybody in the community can go. <laughs> that's true, <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> he was saying negatively, but, like, <laughs> but like, it, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's how it's it works. Cheap. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And then you. You worked at the walls for a while. You interned I did, at the walls. Yeah, you worked, yeah. So was, was Todd was there when you were right? Um, or, so was it was Allie's last was, vintage at okay. the walls, but Todd was there making the wines for Force Majeure okay. because their winery wasn't done yet. Okay. So I kind of got the benefit of both. Yeah. 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 And then, uh, and then, that foreign service came back into play. It sure did. It what sure was it like did. to travel to Burgundy? It was. It was great. And, and, and working. Polini Maltrache. It was incredible. Um, it was hard to get there, but I just started, I was like, I want to go to Burgundy. Do you know anyone in Burgundy? And it was actually Todd who got me my internship. He was like, yeah, I know a lot of people in France. I said, okay, I want to go to Burgundy. He said, I don't know anyone in Burgundy. I said, you, but you know people in France. Right. So he connected me through a barrel supplier no. to this. Through to a this barrel place. supplier. This, yeah. is, this, is, this, this is the life of, of life. Yeah. <laughs> life is so... There is this luck factor of just who you kind of mm-hmm. how you fall into your networks. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that, yeah, well, if you're in wine, like, yeah, of course, barrel maker. Yeah, they have uh, barrels there. They have barrels in, yeah, everywhere, everywhere in France. Exactly. Yeah, that makes so, wine. Um, what was it like? Oh my gosh, it was incredible. I felt like I was going back in time in, in my life mm-hmm. a little bit because I felt like I was studying abroad again. Yeah. And I worked at a domain called Domaine Jean Chartron. Mm-hmm. And it's owned by um, Jean-Michel Chartron and his sister, and Laura. And I actually like lived at Jean-Michel's house um, in their guest room, and it was very welcoming. And my French, I took some French at the community college. Um, but then I got there, and I was like, there's an ac- accent in Burgundy. They don't teach you Burgundy. French. Right. And especially if you're out picking, you're with people who are like they're country people. Yep. <clears throat> and it's yep. different and also the vocabulary <laughs> specific to winemaking and and grapes is different. But the uh, assistant winemaker there was a young woman named Zelda at the time and she had done harvest actually in the Rogue Valley wow. as well as South Africa. Wow. So she was my translator mm-hmm. uh, in the cellar but I got, I got pretty good at knowing when someone's yelling at me to like clean the tank clean the hoses clean the press pan clean the barrel <laughs> so I know how to talk about those things pretty well what was your biggest takeaway from uh, being able to work and watch how they make wines in Burgundy I was really struck by um, the joy that they have during harvest mm. it's different than it is here. I think places I've worked in Walla Walla, our harvest is much longer because 
We're working with so many different varieties, mm-hmm. and a lot of people are getting grapes from all over Washington State, mm-hmm. if not even also the Willamette Valley. And so your harvest is going to be two to three months long. Yeah. And it's hard to be joyful for two to three months of <laughs> a lot of work. But in Burgundy, you know, it's Pinot and it's Chardonnay. And it, where I was working, it was almost all Chardonnay. Right. Some Aligote for sparkling, mm-hmm. two lots of Pinot. And so everything's coming in in two to three weeks. And they're long days, but they have, they've been doing this for thousands of years. They fill up that press. They have a little automatic pump that's going to empty the press pan. And we're all going to go have lunch for an hour and a half. And, and was then we're going to come back and we're going to clean the press. Somebody was telling me, they're like, they're like, they're like, they couldn't believe, like, they just walk away from the grapes and go have lunch. Yes. Like, yeah. I don't do that here in America. But like, they don't do that yeah, here in America. I forgot also something like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm and then Burgundy, like, yeah, no, no, leave it alone. We're just going to have lunch. Yeah. Great. And like, and it could be hot. They don't care. It's lunchtime. It's like, lunchtime. It's time for lunch. It's time for lunch. <laughs> that yeah. is so wild. But I was like, and your wine's delicious. Right. right. You know, and you're happy. Yeah. You're celebrating. This right. happens but once a year type of thing. And so, um, yeah, I would say that was a big thing. And just the tools. Oh my gosh. There are so many. They got a lot of smart contraptions there. Okay. This thousand years of doing stuff. Right. Um, here in Walla Walla, we're kind of cowboy. We have, like, oh, this is what Gary Figgins figured out. And yeah. It works pretty well, and yeah. so we all do it that way. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of cool to see, you know, whatever the Gary Figgins of Burgundy came up with. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, so you come back, and um, what do you do? You finish the program? Do you do you... Did you work somewhere? What did you do when you came back? Yeah, so this is a, a little, little known fact. It's something I didn't talk about a lot at the time, but now enough time has passed. So I actually did that while I was starting ITA. That okay. was concurrent with the first vintage. Mm. So I graduated from the community college in June of 2019, and then I had done all this work to get this internship lined up in Burgundy. <clears throat> yep. And then my husband saw an ad in the local newspaper, the Union Bulletin, for one of the incubator spaces at the airport. And pause. Uh, Talk about the incubator. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a thing for people. So, um, out at the Walla Walla Airport, mm. of all places, which it had been a much larger facility during World War II, mm-hmm. it was like an, an Air Force base or Air Corps base. And now the Port of Walla Walla, which is an economic <laughs> development agency has started to use the land there in ways to help people start up wineries. So they built five buildings that are purpose-built for wineries. So they have a barrel room that is able to be cooled to 55 degrees, drains in the floor, hot and cold water, Mm. small tasting room space, Mm -hmm. um, and you have to apply, and you have to be a startup winery, and they don't come up that often. You can be there for six years, and then you have to get kicked out. And I was friends with Fiona Mack, who has Smack Wines. She had started her winery in an incubator in 2018. Okay. And so I was kind of like, okay, this isn't insane. I know Fiona. She's not insane. Mm-hmm. She's starting a winery. And so when another incubator came up, we said, okay, well, let's just apply. See if we get it. And we got it. And then it was decision time. Like, okay, am I still going to go to Burgundy? Do we have to make wine this vintage? That was a big question. Okay. Can we afford to just pay rent on this building mm-hmm. for a year mm-hmm. and then make wine next vintage? And then I was just like, I feel like I'm going to regret if I don't try and do both things. So we ended up making the wine at a custom crush facility here. And I got out my old school hat. I like made all my production plans. And my husband did all the sampling and coordinated everything. I was like Michelle Roland. I was like on the phone from France. <laughs> 
being like, what's it taste like? <laughs> <laughs> so that was how the first vintage of, of Ito wines were made in 2019. Um, because I just, I felt like I'm not going to get any younger. I knew I wanted to have a kid eventually. So I was like, I'm not going to be able to go to Burgundy. I'm not going to be able to start yeah. a winery. You yeah. know, it's like yeah. these, all of these things are happening and I just have to make it all work. So I came, I came home from France in mid-October and I tasted the wines and I was like, oh shit, the plans worked. I was really nervous about that. My two semillons. What if they taste yeah, exactly so what, what, the same? What, how many wines did you make? Your uh, six, six wines. Wow. So I make the two semillons in mineral style, stainless steel, mm. barrel fermented style of rosé, which I make with Primitivo, which is basically Zen, but also in a bright crisp. I tend to like lower alcohol, higher acidity, so that's kind of the house style. I make a Pinot Noir. I Where do you get the Pinot Noir from? It is from a vineyard called Breezy Slope, which is all, all of my grapes come from higher elevation sites east of Walla Walla, which is where the name comes from. Ita means east. Okay, I was going to, yeah. Yeah. Um, in Finnish. Uh, so, Foothills Fruit, Breezy Slope is super high elevation, 1,700 feet above sea level. And that's in? It's in Oregon. Okay, okay. But within the Walla Walla Valley. So it's kind of tricksy. It's the no, one I have to talk about the most because people don't understand. Well, like, oh, it's Oregon. Oh, well, it's the rocks. You say, no, you say Oregon, people think Willamette, and you say Pinot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Willamette. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So high elevation, Walla Walla, Oregon, Pinot. Wow. Uh, uh, Syrah from Lake Colleen and also Merlot. So, um, and what would you say, you've said house style, but like... Like, you never made wine. I got you went to school. You interned. Yeah. I made a lot of wine in my basement. Okay. Yes. This is important yes. for my genesis, yeah. I will say. So I was growing all these grapes in this test plot. Okay. And making wine in my garage slash basement, mm-hmm. which sounds fun until you make wine in your garage slash basement. <laughs> also, I can't stand up in my basement. <laughs> I've been cursed with a, a short basement. So I was making wine. So we have 10 different varieties planted at the farm. Okay. Chardonnay, Semillon, Sauve Blanc, Aligote, Pinot Blanc, Pinot Meunier, Pinot Noir, Syrah, Cab. We had Malbec. We didn't like it, so we took it out. Um, so it was a lot of like, if you ever have a question about a micro-fermentation, <laughs> <laughs> you know, lots of three gallons of this, five gallons of this. If we're lucky, we can fill a keg. Um, type of thing and so that was really where I took when you when you were harvest somewhere you know how to process fruit you know things about managing fermentation but it's not the same as taking care of a finished wine it's mm-hmm. not the same as getting wine ready for bottling and so the basement wines really helped me understand where you can go wrong like so wrong mm-hmm. and what you need to do to get a wine um, to be okay in bottle so that was a huge help and then just having like mentors um Allie from uh the walls I've called her a couple times <laughs> and then um Tyler Grennan who's the winemaker at Balboa they're both people I can be like oh shit how do I do this and before I started Ita Tyler sat down with me and he was like I'm a grape do you have picking bins where am I gonna go I'm like do you have all the equipment you need uh so that was really great because you just don't you you don't know what you don't know when yeah. you're starting out yeah um and <clears throat> how how many acres have, have your parents planted more acres actually on the farm? 
No. Uh, so we've kind of filled in some spots um, with some graft vines that are grafted on rootstock and things like that. But for a long time, I was like, okay, we got to get ready for planting. We got to get ready for planting. Where are we going to plant? Um, and the pandemic kind of slowed things down there. I think if the pandemic hadn't happened, we maybe would have been more bullish on planting the vineyard. Um, so I, I own Ita Wines. That is my my baby, but the farm is owned by my parents. Okay. And so, you know, we've long talked about like, okay, well, I would I would definitely buy it, be a customer of your grapes and mm-hmm. things like this and talking about how it's all going to work together because family stuff, we all got families. Um, but then the pandemic slowed things down for, for my folks and their ability to make capital expenditures. Let's put it that way. Okay. And then it became apparently like, well, my business is growing. I have distribution in Washington and Idaho. I've gotten some nice scores and some good press and oh shit, I'm not going to have a place to make my wine or sell my wine after 2026. And so we said to my parents, hey, actually what we need more acutely than a vineyard is a place to make and sell wine. Okay. And so now um, we're working on that, that tasting room that will be up on the farm property. Oh. Yeah, so that's the move. We decided vineyard can, can come later. Okay. If we have to choose, then we need we need a home for the winery first. Which makes sense. Yeah. Because you came out of an incubator. Sell, yeah. sell, sell, baby. Yeah. Um, so then how do you... Grapes are... In California, I'm just, grapes are expensive here too, but in California, grapes are so freaking expensive, right? right. So um, how were you able to find grapes from vineyards that would allow you to craft the type of wines you want to bring forth. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm lucky because because my husband works at Garrison Creek, mm-hmm. which sits in the middle of Lake Colleen Vineyard, okay. which just so happens to be right down the street from my parents' place. It's very, very close. Um, I was already good friends and considered the vineyard manager at Lake Elaine Brad Sorensen to be a mentor of mine. Okay. While I was in school and I was taking care of the test plot, I would sometimes be like, hey, can I come by on a Friday afternoon with a bottle of Gruner and literally ask you these 50 questions I've come up with since the last time I did this? And you'd just be like, is this bug something I have to worry about? Um, what do you do about this? I've seen this. Uh, things like that. And so... When I got the incubator, Brad was the first call that I made. Um, because of that relationship and because of the proximity to uh, my parents' place. And I just said, what do you have available? Right, because a lot of times that's it. It's like, you know, especially when you're starting out, it's like, that's how people get through to like, hey, someone bailed. I got this, you know, you know, Barbera or whatever. Right. And and like, and you're like. And the price is right. Like, I guess I'll make a Barbera. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so it was July of 2019 when I was doing this. Because we found, that's when we got the incubator. So it was, like, really tight. No, I know. Because then you're going to Burgundy. And then I'm going to Burgundy. Yeah. Jesus. And so um, I called him. I said, what, what do you have available? I was lucky because 2019 was a, a healthy year in, in terms of yield. And I knew I wanted mm-hmm. to make these two different styles of white wine. And I said, okay, do I want so I want to make a self blanc that's 
steely and minerally, and then I want to make a semillon that's more, you know, barrel aged. And he said, well, there's no Sauvignon Blanc for you. I said, okay, great. Uh, do you have more semillon? <laughs> you know, and like, what can I, what do you have that I can make rosé out of? Cab, soft. And I said, what else do you have? He said, well, I have this Primitivo. No one knows what to do with it. And so I was like, I'm going to fuck around with that. So, um, yeah, the, the Syrah, I actually knew that Todd was only going to make two tons. Before that had been, mm-hmm. uh, the walls yeah. had gotten three tons the year before. Yeah. And then I found out that they were only going to make two tons. And I was like, here you have one ton of Block 46 Syrah. Yeah, right. You know, so you just, you swoop. Yeah. <laughs> you swoop. Yeah. yeah. So what is, like, what, is, what is like your winemaking philosophy? Yeah. Um, I try to make wine that I like. I, I will say, which sounds so like egotistical, but it's like, it's my business. I get to make wine I like. Yeah. That's So that it is very much driven by my palate. And it's also driven by my experiences that I had in the in the test plot and in my my scary basement alone <laughs> with my wine. Uh, because at, in making those experimental wines, it was always single varietal. You know, we're making it in carboys and things like that, mm-hmm. but we're seeking to answer the question, what grows well? What's the highest and best use of this land, really, if we're going to use it to grow grapes to make wine? And so I have a pretty non-interventionist, okay. without being full natty, mm-hmm. um, approach. So I don't do any acid ads. I don't mess with water backs or anything like that. And really to try and listen to what the wine is trying to say. So I use all neutral French oak uh, when I do use oak and just kind of try to step back and, and listen. Within the styles, you know, I've, I've obviously made choices about, you know, especially the, the two techniques you can use to tease out different flavors from the same grapes like you see that with the two semillons i'm not saying nothing but i'm trying not to be louder than the grapes and you wanted to make a solid block so then why did you decide like you know screw it i'm just gonna make two different semillons well because that was what was available and but why why did you want to go with the reductive style just curious um you know i knew you're never going to make everyone happy (laughs) but Kind of coming from my experience putting together those like wine by the glass lists yeah. at the bars, it's like you're gonna have people who detest oak on a white wine. And so well, we should have a stainless steel style. Okay. Yeah. And I also thought it will go with different food. And we all like different food. You know, different different strokes for different folks. There's a a wine for every mouth and a mouth for every wine. <laughs> right? That's true. <laughs> Just gotta find them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, this is this is like so like you're like four years old, like three years old, baby. That's so nice of you to say. Yeah. Thank you. No, I mean twenty. You know, starting your business. Yeah. Um. Oh, the business. I was like, no, I'm four, yeah, four years old. Oh my God. You're so funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you said you have distribution. Yeah. Like, like, like but not a ton. I mean, not a ton. Still. I don't make that much wine. So your wines are like in Seattle. Yeah. I'm on the list at Canlis. My mother's very proud. <laughs> <laughs> and is that you? You said you travel for work. Is that you going out, showing your wine? Are you, yeah. Are you yeah. also the national sales director right now? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, of course. There, there are two of us that <laughs> yeah. work full-time at the winery. Right. Yeah. So myself, and then I hired a general manager last year when I knew I was pregnant. Because um, I, I had a baby right before harvest last year. And I thought, there's no way me and like someone on Saturday and Sunday can, can make this all work, you know, so, um, but it's good for the business to have redundancy. Sure. You know? 
Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> Which is quickly becoming not redundancy as, as the business grows, you yeah. know. So, so you've gotten yeah. some some accolades for the wines, mm-hmm. and I just, did you submit them or they, were these people just pick them? How how like did was a competition? I'm going, you know, I want to because yeah, it it could be scary, right? Like it's being judged is you know terrifying, terrifying, right? Mm-hmm. Anybody who creates anything you know, that goes through that, right? Yeah. And, however, like, you have gotten some, some nice accolades for the wines. Yes, yeah. W- w- did did you submit them? Or did, did they kind of, did they call you, we heard about you? Like, how did how did that start happening? Yeah. So, when I opened the winery, mm-hmm. I was going to open in March of 2020. Okay. And I thought that my whole idea was I was going to go to Taste Washington. Yep. And then I was going to open the tasting room the next weekend at the end of March. And then the following weekend was Kai's weekend, you know, spring kickoff. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah so it was going to be great. Yeah. And all these people are going to start to taste my wine. None of that happened. And so I was in a position where I had wine to sell. No one's ever tried my wines. Mm-hmm. I don't have a wine club. Mm-hmm. I have some friends and family who signed up for emails. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, started... I, I had a friend who worked at La Cole in marketing, and she was like, you should okay. really send wine to this person. I sent, I'm not going to say who it was, but I had a bad experience. I sent the wine. They got not bad scores, but like 88s. I know you're saying, too. That's I, not. Knowing I, 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 your style of wine, that score, I, I know where it went. Yeah, <laughs> it was just a really bad fit. Well, well that's, that, I always tell people, I'm not against, people like people think scores suck. And I was just at a thing with Galone. He's like, I don't like scores, but it's kind of like, but it, they're important because People are lazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, people are I mean, lazy. And there's so much. And there's so much. So, but you. But then you have to understand. You have to understand their their markers, their guideposts. Mm-hmm. You can't just read the score. You got to actually read. You know, if, if there's some notes, you're like, well, maybe, well, maybe I like that in a wine. Mm-hmm. And then understanding how your palate aligns with the critic, right? Exactly. So, exactly. So, so there's so, it's nuance. But anyway, yeah. so yeah. So I had kind of a bad experience, and I was trying to engage with this critic and and try to tell my story and all of that and they just weren't having it Um, it was like just send me the wines and I was so then I was gun shy but then uh, Sean Sullivan who used to be the critic for wine enthusiast and he has his own publication he writes for uh, Seattle Met he reached out and he wrote the kindest email the email I needed to get to convince me to submit wines Mm -hmm. saying hey I noticed you're new I would love to taste your wines. I understand if you don't want to for any reason. Mm-hmm. After I blind taste the wines, I would love to set up a time to talk to you and hear about your story and your approach. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. And then I also went and I read a bunch of his articles and I saw what type, what his palate was like. And mm-hmm. I said, okay, we'll, we'll send you some wines. And so he was kind of the first one to give them scores that were worth talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also wrote about uh, the winery in Seattle Met Magazine. And, you know, the next weekend it was, you know, COVID style, all outdoors. But, like, we were all booked up. And it was like, oh, this is why you do that. And then also having the tasting room experience and pouring your own wine for people who can turn to you and say, I hate your wine, and learning to be okay with that, that was good for me. You know, that made it so then I could... Now I can submit and not worry so much about, like, oh, should I have ever started this winery? Mm-hmm. But the first time you do it, it's really the scariest. So I've, I've since submitted to, you know, Wine and Spirits. Um, wine Spectator, they don't, they don't want my wine. 
We asked. We said, "Do you want some wine?" I said, "No." Okay. We're good. We're good. You know how much wine we get? Sent? We're good. Yeah. yeah we don't yeah, need exactly. your wine. Uh, Damn, that's up. messed up. It's <laughs> kind of messed up. It's kind of messed up. All right. I'm not mad about it. <laughs> but you know, I don't know if the wine spectator customer is my customer necessarily. And that's you know, and that and that's, that's okay. There's so many conversations wine. I'm like, does, some of these conversations we have wine. I'm like, does why are we having this conversation? Because it's like at the end of the day, people are going to drink what they want to drink. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, like someone I was yeah, like when people say we need to attract younger consumers. I'm I said it sounds like okay, when 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 a when a foreign co- when an Australian company mm-hmm. is going to plop down a billion dollars mm-hmm. for a winery in California. Right. They might know something we don't know. They're not too I think wine's mm-hmm. going to be fine. They they're not worried about we, we spend this billion dollars, we're gonna have to find young customers. They're, they're like, yeah. So th- that's the int- that, so. Well, you know, a lot of shit is just fucking hyperbole, and yeah, yeah. You know, we gotta write articles. Like, like some of these articles, these people don't. Even, they're, they're just writers, and it's like, I saw an article. It was like, uh, people are going crazy over Syrah in California. I was like, I was like, what? What year is this? Right. Yeah. What? what, what like, this is not a new book. Like, what? Is it, and someone's like, nineteen ninety. People are like, people like nineteen ninety five. Like, like, what are you? Doing? Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and and you look up the and it's like so and so is a travel and food and wine right? and they just they Google it's, it's some like shit. It's like clickbaity. Yeah, it's yeah. clickbaity. Yeah. But but yeah, but however, like you said, there is something nice. Like when I get a someone leaves a review and says this was the podcast looking for, like it, it helps, right? You know, it helps yeah. us as creators. Yes. Um. So. Now you're on. Oh yeah, and why? And I get it. This is just bootstrapping. Like I didn't know there was primitivo here. I want. Sure. I, I want to have a Washington Zen or primitivo. I know Forgeron does a Zen. Mm-hmm. I can't find it uh, in New Jersey, but but like well, New Jersey is tough state. Well, I hate yeah. New Jersey for that. But, <laughs> yeah. but 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 like, talk to me about like primitivo. That makes sense. Italian immigrants. I get that. Yeah. 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 Um, he said we, no one knows to do with primitivo. What was the issue with primitivo? So you're like this will make yes, a good rose. Yeah. Uh, so the Primitivo, it re- ripens really un- unevenly. And so a lot of people were like, okay, I'm going to make an Italian-style big yeah, red wine right, out of this. Right. But the problem with Primitivo and Zen here in Walla Walla is that it's a big, juicy grape with a thin skin. And if you're waiting and waiting and waiting, guess what? It starts raining. You might get a frost, and it's just too delicate mm. to to hang like that. And so I thought, well, if that's the issue everyone's having every year, what if we make a wine that doesn't require extensive hang time? Mm-hmm. So let's make rosé. And it doesn't matter. We always have some really green berries mixed in the clusters, mm. but we don't press hard enough to press those berries when we're making the rosé. So it doesn't doesn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, I see you, Primitivo. Mm-hmm. You can still be good here, but let's not ask you to, to do that job of trying to... So that's going to that's that's stay as long as you can keep getting that fruit. Yeah, so I buy the whole block for, for that. And then I do work with some Zin for this crazy Nouveau-style carbonic... Yeah, I think you were talking... When, when I first mentioned last year, you were talking yeah, about... Yeah. I was like, uh, why are you going to mess up that Zinfandel like that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but a part of it's for the same reason. It's yeah. like, well... And, and also because... I wanted to make this kind of experimental wine. I knew that it, it would be available. This yeah. would be available yeah, yeah. because people who are making this bigger style, they can't make it every year because the conditions right. aren't right for the ripening. So, so wild. So yeah. wild. Yeah. So, um, 
couple more questions sure. for you before we wrap up her. Um, what's what advice would you give to your younger self after all you've been like after all you've been through the different things you've done you end up where you are what advice would you give to your younger self gosh I I would love to tell my younger self that it's all going to be okay (laughs) (laughs) you know I think for a long time especially because I had so many different jobs and so I I felt like oh gosh am I not good at anything right you know right and am I ever gonna find something that like really fits and, but I, all of my jobs, like I said, I learned so much from all of them, and I think they've made me a better small business owner. Having a small business means you have to do all of the jobs when you're starting out, and so I, I know how to do a lot of different jobs because I've had a lot of different jobs. Um, so I think I would, I would kind of just reassure myself that it's, it's okay to, to be me. It's okay to sniff the wind. <laughs> That will come in handy. <laughs> you have a little boy or a little girl? I have a little girl. How old is she? She is just over one. Okay. 15 months. Um, <laughs> uh, so again, after everything you've done, like um, arriving here, would you say, do you have a philosophy by which you, you're living your life uh, at this point? Yeah. I mean, it, it, could be, it could be sniff the wind, but I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I think my husband and I talk a lot about wanting to to design our lives. Yeah. That um, not living to work, but working to live. But also, but also that you spend so much of your life working that that should be something that we're lucky it's enough cliche. to have the choice I mean, I mean, to, I know, to, like, you feel much to like our work, work, right? Like, you, know, you better like, like it. Yeah. I would hope, but most people yeah. don't because it's, it's just survival. So, like, right. So so it's like I'm, I'm lucky to have that stance yeah. uh, but we small business ownership which is what my parents did yeah. I have seen that that gives you a lot of responsibility it gives you a lot of worry but it also gives you an amazing amount of freedom you know when I got pregnant I knew like I'm not going to get maternity leave Yeah, that fucking sucks but I also knew I was designing my own life. Right. And so I could hire someone mm-hmm. and I could make sure that my business was okay so that I could be okay being at home with my kid. Mm-hmm. And I had made choices that made it so that was all going to be okay. Yeah. So, super yeah. sonic, super sonic. Yeah. All right. Um, slap, lick, fondle time. <laughs> Give you three grapes. You have to uh, slap in one, lick one, fondle. Oh my goodness! I All just right. hate the word fondle. I know, but I, 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 it's so funny how words are amazing. Because oh yeah, someone else was like oh fondle. I was like eh. Because sometimes they use it to talk about like oh I know sexual yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, but that's the problem with words. Yeah, that's the problem. They with they words. they go. Less, I mean. It, if you look it up, it doesn't say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might be the number eight definition. <laughs> yes. Often used on Law and Order SUV <laughs> yes. to describe what the perp did. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. All right. Um, okay. So we got to do Simeon. Just sure. Yeah. Simeon. Okay. Sarah. And what else I want to throw you away? Simeon Sarah. 
and Merlot. I mean, but if you lick a grape, you're not really doing anything, right? That's nothing, right? You're not getting any flavor out of that. <laughs> Talking about the wine. Oh, not, sure, not sure. Just the, not, the, not just the, the actual grape. Sorry, I sometimes take things way too uh, literally. Um, <laughs> um, I would slap Syrah because mm. it can take it. Love it. Um, Love that. I would lick Semyon mm. and I would fondle Merlot. Because that's what Merlot likes. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what Merlot likes. And now along this whole journey, has there been, I mean, you've gotten to work in Burgundy, but you've been in this for a while, and flavors and food. Was there a bottle? Was there a memorable bottle that just started like, oh my God, wine. Was there the bottle, the wine. The wine neural pathways lit up and you're like, oh yeah, this is that juice. No. She ain't no real wine, man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. Some, I know this is a question that gets asked and I'm... I know people sometimes have this like orgasmic experience yeah, so you, with you wine, know, and yeah. that's great. Yeah. That's so great right. for them. Yeah. I don't have. I never had that feeling, yeah. but I do have this huge appreciation for like wine in the context of life. Got it. You know that this is this is part of our life. This is part of how we get through the day. This is part of how we celebrate. <laughs> this is part of how we enjoy company with other people. So I, I view it as very much a contextual thing, and so I think me understanding that this was something that I wanted to be a part of came more from it always being part of some of the best moments of my life. Right so, yeah. Cool. Last question. Um, what are you most excited about for the future? For the future? I'm super excited about uh, the new tasting and production space. When that comes to fruition, it'll be a lot of work. It'll be a lot of financing. Lots of calls to the SBA. Uh, but I think that would be really great to be closer to where the grapes come from because that's what the people want to see. Um, and I think it'll be good just for the growth of the brand. But I'm excited. You know, I'm excited to watch my kid grow up. I'm excited for the changing of the seasons. I'm excited for life. <laughs> I've had half a glass of wine. I'm excited for uh, life. <laughs> that's perfect. Thank you so much. <laughs> Tell people where they can find you, how they can be a part of what you're doing at Sure, sure, absolutely. You can um, order one online, make a reservation to taste at the winery at www.itawinery.com, itawinery.com, or on Instagram at itawinery, and Facebook if you still do that. (laughs) And for all you listeners out there, don't forget to check out the show notes for each episode. That's where you'll find links to her. I'll put links to her website, her social media. I'll... uh, uh, put what wine we drank uh till the next time cheers to the mavericks philosophers deep thinkers and all you wine drinkers your boy mj saying peace cheers thanks cheers thank you so much for listening i hope you learned something you had some fun while you were here please subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to And if you want to be an insider and get special content, make sure you go over to blackwineguy.com and get on our email list.